For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Okay, we are rolling. And you're making banging noises over there for some reason. I'm keeping myself awake. And I'm not sure. Wow. I'm sticking myself with a poker. Nice. <laughs> Well, here we are in the studio, and and um, and first of all, we're we're glad to be back in the studio. We're glad to be back recording again. We've taken a little hiatus, and we are back. And um, so, uh, anyway, that's that's. I'm Tom Peterson and Dean Foster, and we have Torin with us today, our producer. Uh, hello, hey, we're hey, all Tor. we're Hi. all in studio. Sorry, I didn't mean to step on your uh, hello there, Dean. You didn't. I didn't. No. Oh, I tried to. Um, <laughs> All right. Well, so we've been trying to figure out what the heck we should talk about in this in this podcast, and um, and I'm thinking we should talk about something that is um, currently notorious: the symbols of. Well, I'm not talking about an instrument in a band. I'm talking about. Uh, yeah, thank you, thank you. <laughs> Simple section came to life. Well, actually, we will probably need, we'll need that from time to time. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm all over it. I played percussion in high school, so yeah, I'm did. all over. You got a snare drum available? <laughs> I, I do actually. Uh, nice. Far from here. How about a penny Very whistle? Nice. <laughs> I don't. I'll find it though. Penny whistle. Remember her? Oh, I, I think I dated her in the seventh grade. In the seventh grade, it's seventh grade. always the seventh grade. <laughs> that was a busy year for you. Oh, it was a very busy. Yeah, seventh grade. After that, it was all downhill. Uh, oh well. Um, yeah, no, it's not not symbols like you crash in a in a band or an orchestra, but uh, symbols like uh, symbology, like um, what Dan Brown has made a lot of money writing about. Oh well, you know, this is there's a cultural piece to this. By the way, Mr. Brown, if you would like to uh, contact us, we will we will put you on the podcast, probably. <laughs> Um, I'm sorry. Dean. There's Go a right cultural ahead. piece to this. Is there? Because That's amazing. Culture has its symbols there, and there are cultural symbols for everything all around the world. It's probably one of the most uh, unique aspects of just being human. The humans have been creating symbols since 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 the dawn. Maybe even the dawn. Even the dawn might be it. Even the words that you and I are using right now, yes, are symbols. They're just nothing but symbols. They're nothing but symbols. They lead to pictures, visualizations, uh, the, actions. Exactly, and like that. The, or the meaning of a word. You know, is 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 the is symbol a, of the meaning. You get you a have word to is give the symbol of the, the me, symbol. of its of its own meaning. The symbol means nothing on its own. People have to give something to it in order for it to mean something. Exactly. You know, this is semi. Well, we summed that up quickly. Didn't this right. is right. no, well, we did. Good night, we just, everybody. <laughs> no, we just opened the door. <laughs> oh, oh. We well, did, could somebody shut is, the door? It's killing the sound in here. <laughs> this is what we. This is semiotics. The, the whole Excuse me? a whole field of linguistics. I think and, you can take something for that now. <laughs> <laughs> Some people would. I take your local pharmacist. And <laughs> well, you know, there's an interesting, very fascinating. We'll be the judge of that. <laughs> uh, phenomenon. I think it's. I think it's called semantic satiation. Uh-huh. Semantic satiation. Say easy for you to say. And, and it proves <laughs> that the word is merely a vehicle for symbolizing the concept that the meaning stands for of the word, like. 
Here's the here's the phenomenon. Okay. If you say a word over and over and over and over and over again, it loses you, its meaning. It loses its meaning, and you just hear the sound of the word and the sound. And you sound, can't even remember how to spell it. Right. And the word becomes very weird. Right. right. That's right. right. Like if I say. Weird, 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 mm. weird, 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 weird. This is semantic satiation. He does that again. Hit him with the poker. <laughs> okay, I'll okay. Get my poker. Out. <laughs> yeah, it's, but it's it, a weird pro- word. it yeah. it proves the fact that the word is just the symbol right. for the meaning behind the word. Right. Uh huh. It is. Yeah. So how does no this... one's arguing with you? <laughs> I'm not looking for an argument. <laughs> no. But if you want oh, an yeah? argument, stop fighting. You and me outside. <laughs> Oh, no, he's, oh, he's got a poker. poker. Oh, look out. This is not good. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe it's really good. We're not sure. So what's the okay. cultural piece to this? I don't know. That's your Cultures game. Cultures use symbols all the time. Yeah. Okay, so and, so so give me a give me an idea of what you might use a symbol for in a culture. Why would a culture use a symbol? Well, that 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 because it seems like an indirect way of communicating. That's right. And so where the, where's the benefit of that? There I has don't to, know. Again, I think that's his job, isn't it? I think so. okay. Many times, what it does is <laughs> it allows you to say something or yeah. infer, well, imply something mm-hmm. without actually having to say it, because actually saying it is going to get you into big surus, big trouble. <laughs> Thank you for interpreting <laughs> at a least Yiddish a word. small part of the audience out there. <laughs> <laughs> so if you can't say it directly, uh-huh. you use a symbol that implies it. Mm. Ah, right. So you know, one of the things that comes to mind, and we've we've had we've discussed this in other other episodes, is hand gestures is the most obvious symbol. Okay. If you, if you don't say something, you, you can't. You, I'm not responsible for having said it, but I indicated it with with a gesture. Mm. Sure. And we're all familiar with the scatological je- hand gestures. Sure. Some right? are yeah. acceptable and some are far less acceptable. And the fact that right. the same gesture might have different meanings in different cultures. Right. And I think we discussed this in, in previous we have. We episodes. Have yeah. mm-hmm. yep. Well, the same thing. So that that's, a, that's one of the reasons to avoid association of guilt with something that's going to get you in trouble. Right. Okay. You know, so you say it, it it's a code. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a yeah. code. Now, the trouble with codes is that... You have to understand the code in order to be able to interpret it the way the sender meant. Right. So unless I'm also part of that information, if I'm a member of the same tribe, if I'm a citizen of the same country, if I'm on the same side of an issue as you are, I probably know the code. Mm-hmm. But if I'm not, I'm outside of that. Yep. And and being outside of it is good for the insiders because they're not going to get in trouble with the outsiders. Mm. But being on the on the outside is also not so good for the code because it means that not everybody understands it. I have no idea what side I'm on now. <laughs> <laughs> am I in? Am I I out? think I'm outside. I, I think I'm, right now, yes. Uh, am I? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Well, let, get that door open and let there me back a lot, in. There's, there's a coded message. There's uh, a lot. <laughs> yeah, that's not coded at all. <laughs> I, I I hate to say this, but I think I actually followed you on that. Yeah. For those so, of you listening, I, if I were you, I'd rewind and, and go back at it again. Uh, and just, just listen again. Yeah. And listen again and listen again until all the words lose their meaning And then speed it up whatsoever. so that Dean sounds like a chipmunk. <laughs> that's even better. Okay. It'll look like we have but, a, a billion listeners, so please, right. go ahead. <laughs> Listen many times. We don't. Hold on. What? <laughs> Just so, so many things are codes. How we dress is a code. 
Okay. How we wear our hair is a coat. Hair and is remarkable for its coating. Really? For the th- oh, for the message that it sends. The way the way we choose to wear our hair, hairstyles. It it's coated to indicate whether or not you are of a certain group, or oh, sure. or not of a certain group. Of the colors that we use to dress with, the colors that we use to identify our our identity or association with a particular group. Uh-huh. Um, throughout history, we've mm-hmm. got tons and tons of different examples of this. I mean, I think back to the uh, what was it, the War of the Roses in England in the 14th century, 14th, 15th hundreds. You had the War of the Roses, the White Rose and right. the Red Rose, right. and so everybody knows which side you're on. You right. Know? In, symbols are like emotions. Symbols are to society as to emotions are to individuals. They're shortcuts to understanding something. In other words, individual emotions through evolution gave us the uh, ability to feel something in response to a particular situation, which allowed us action. To and deal with to deal with that, it, right? it becomes that you can group feel it at that right. point, and it, you're part of that group, right? And the, well, that's where culture comes in, okay. right? Right. But even pre-culture, just as when we were Neanderthals, mm-hmm. the whole idea when you were a Neanderthal. Go ahead. I have I have six percent Neanderthal. Did, I you we you had to that's, tell us uh, that I, I, we yeah, knew we, that. we know, we and I think I think that. the a, I think the average is like four. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, I wondered why you were always walking around picking up berries and things like that and eating them. Don't short sell the Neanderthals. Well, um, I did. I actually short sell them some of my uh, some of my stock. Yeah, you sold sold it the wrong time. They're pretty stupid. You know, they don't know the stock exchange. They don't went up. Right. (laughs) That's right. It went up immediately. (laughs) Yep. Smart move on my yeah, part. Well oh, well. Well, so emotions are, are shortcuts uh-huh. to giving us information as to what to do in a particular situation. Mm-hmm. Instead of having to intellectually try to figure out, oh, what's the best thing for me to do given this situation? Mm-hmm. Our emotions give us action. Mm-hmm. Now, sometimes we act on our emotions and it doesn't solve the problem. It makes the problem worse, which is why we've developed intelligence subsequent to the evolutionary development of emotion. Mm-hmm. Symbols do the same thing. Yeah. yeah, they are shortcuts to all of us inside the tribe identifying with the tribe, and everybody outside the tribe saying, "Whoops, they're on the inside, and I'm on the outside," or right. "They're a part of them and not part of me." Yeah. So, if let me see if I can take this in a direction that goes to if if it's a if it's a very visible one, not ones that you're trying to do as a subterfuge of some kind to get away with something or or to overthrow something or anything like that, but but a very obvious form of symbolism, then we could look at national flags. Yeah, exactly. That is a perfect example of, a, of symbols, right? Okay. Yeah. And the, you, let's take a look at the current situation with Ukraine. Okay. Right. The colors of the Ukrainian flag, yellow. And blue, blue. Aren't they? Yes, yeah. right. It flew out of my mind for a second. I was thinking of the fact that so the Neanderthal part of it is we, in the mind. <laughs> right we had just gone through. It went berries. We we'd just gone through, through Easter and Passover, and I, I went to a, a Passover seder um, last week, and they had the egg, which is a symbol, a, mm. a very ancient symbol on the of the on the Passover plate uh-huh. of the rebirth of spring. Right. Mm. Um, and 
but the host of the Seder dyed the Easter egg the Ukrainian colors. Mm. Ah. Because it's a, because it is a, a holiday, a festival of freedom. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So those yeah. colors, um, the blue is the sky, it's the symbol for the sky, and mm. the yellow is the symbol of the sunflower, oh, which mm-hmm. grows all over U- Ukraine. Huh. Okay. And um, these two forces, these two natural forces, create what is fundamentally, I think, part of the reason for the current situation because the Ukraine has always been the breadbasket of Russia, if not the world. Uh-huh. So it's been the farmland, mm. it, not only sunflowers, but the but wheat and all sorts of things would be grown and produced in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. And without it, because it's so far south geographically than Russia, so much f- further south than Russia geographically, if you compare the production in the Ukraine of food with the production of of food in Russia to the north, it it it, it vastly overwhelms the Russian numbers. Russians have been basically surviving on Ukrainian food, mm. on Ukrainian sunflowers, on Ukrainian wheat. Yeah. And so the colors that are used in the symbols of Ukraine represent this. Mm. And if you understand the power of these symbols, you know, Ukrainians, under, for them, the sunflower is an incredibly powerful symbol. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, hmm. you look at the symbols in Russia, a, a powerful symbol in Russia that I think is iconic to understanding Russian culture is the Matryoshka doll. Hmm. The doll within the doll within the doll within right. the doll. Uh, right. right. The nesting doll. The nesting doll. Mm-hmm. That's right. And so you... Why is this iconically symbolic of Russian culture? Because I think one of the essential things you need to understand about Russian culture is is that there's always this superficial outer shell, and it hides an inner shell, which hides an even deeper inner shell, which hides which hides an and the 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 baby inside the deepest part is very very fragile. And very, very weak mm-hmm. and needs to be protected mm. by these levels layers. and yeah. layers and mm. layers that keep going to the outs, huh. out and out and out. Sure. So the blustery, over-the-top, super emotional, um, bombastic, rhetorical outside, Yeah. the threatening outside, the the the, the use of the weapons... The, the constant threats. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is all an out an exterior cover. Mm. To protect that inner inner, inner creature that's body. That's what's whatever. driving it. Yeah, yeah. Right. Huh. We look at Russia. Russia is a very large country. There's got to be, as there is in other large countries, the United States, China, others, there's going to be differences across there. Moscow is a, is, is a far more Western uh, city than much of the rest of the country. Geographically, it is, yes. Yeah. And um, so is it – do and, and I, I don't know, maybe it's not easy to know this because it is still Russia and it's somewhat secretive. But across the country, is there a reason to believe that there's a is there a disconnect from mm. the the forces that are running things now and making these decisions? Is there a is there a, that is and is it symbolized in any way in in that or is that just another um, 
Is that just another enigma of Russia that we really don't know much about? Well, you know, vast the vast lands within Russia are f- super underpopulated. Mm. I mean, we're looking at tundra. We're looking at mm. you know um, a, a lot of just vast land area, but not too many people. Right. And then there are other areas where there's lots and lots of people. Right. Yes, okay. Right. Um, I think your point is well taken, Tom. You you do have Moscow um, trying very hard to keep this vast empire. Within an empire, mm-hmm. there's the Matryoshka doll again. Yeah, uh, even within Russia as a nation state today, it's R- Moscow still has difficulty controlling every part of that landmass, and the 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 fear always is that somebody somewhere is going to break away from our control, and mm-hmm. so we've got to we've really got to maintain a lot of control, and mm-hmm. and okay. therefore it's it's a natural crucible for autocracy. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Recognize that that never ever in the history of Russia have there been any moments of democracy except very short-lived sparks here and there mm. just before during and just after the revolution mm-hmm. and the civil war mm-hmm. but but it's inconsequential really because they went straight from feudalism and czarism right right to to, to basically communism right to basically gangsterism which is what we have today right yeah so there's no tradition whatsoever for for any for holding anything together other than other than steely autocracy. Mm, right. So to your point, yes, Moscow is fearful that it will always, that it will lose control of what's going on within its realms mm-hmm. and sees the current situation as, as proof, the failure of the Soviets, the collapse of the Soviets, as proof that without this kind of steely autocracy, they are in fact going to collapse. Mm. And, and, and the evidence of that for them is that the West is out there circling around, ready to take advantage of any situation where they can uh, they can undermine the authority of the Russians in that re- in the region, mm-hmm. and Ukraine represents that mm-hmm. because the majority of the people in the Ukraine voted voted to be part of the West, mm-hmm. right? All right. So Russia can simply not allow that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know the symbols of of. Of the of Tsarist Russia was the two headed eagle. It's still it's still on the Russian it's still the Russian uh, state seal. I think. Mm, okay. So the eagle is always looking east to make sure that everybody there is under the control of Moscow. Yeah. And also west yeah. to make sure that the west doesn't do anything to 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 stop us from maintaining these the hard grip that we need to have over the lands over which we should over the lands over which in which there are Russians. Sure. All right. So symbols, a double-headed eagle. Double-headed right? eagle. There we go. Yeah. Which, yeah. Which, coat, coat of arms of Russia. Coat of arms of Russia. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. And the sure. producer finally did something. You're welcome. That's good. But it's interesting now that the, the, the symbol, <laughs> this idea of symbols during this time of war with Ukraine mm-hmm. is is becoming a code, this becoming coded language for which side you're on. Mm. Right. So what are some of those symbols that we're seeing that are um, showing us both sides, I guess? Well, you, well, you know, I think, of, I think yeah, the, the Russian Z. 
Yeah. Mm, yeah. yeah. I've seen Where that. Where does that come from? I don't understand. I've never seen know. the Do etymology yeah, of it. I'm not, I'm not sure. I mean, I can take a look, but I remember hearing it was sort of unknown. It's not like a World War was. Z reference, is it? It could be. It could be. <laughs> that could be a theory. <laughs> Yeah, I'll take a look. I think it is not entirely sure. Okay. So that's being used to symbolize support for the war. Right. Right? Right. But the need for coded symbol symbolism, if you're against the war, particularly in Russia, right. is absolutely powerful. So I've been hearing about different codes that have developed to indicate by Russians who do not support the war that they are not... a you know, uh, uh, supporting the, the uh, supporting Moscow or Putin, I should say, but they're against the war. Um, Russians are very proud of the contributions that they've made to to the world, and Russian culture has been um, and many aspects of Russian culture, literature, the arts, particularly, and I think of ballet, become symbols of Russian. Uh, contributions mm, sure, to the world. Sure. They're very proud of the ballet. Sure. And, yeah. They should be. Tchaikovsky's great ballet, Swan mm-hmm, Lake, mm-hmm. is used and has been used historically in Russia. I remember hearing in, that. Yeah. In in many different ways. Politically, it became used as a symbol, as a tool for the fact that the government, whenever one of the leaders died and the and and the decision makers in Moscow didn't know who the next leader was going to be. Right. They played Swan Lake on state media. Uh, and so every time you heard Swan Lake being played, it meant that a government catastrophe has happened. <laughs> Somebody our, our our great leader has died and we're awaiting the, the next the next news as to who's going to be running the country. Ah. Uh, and so the ballet and the symbol of the ballet dancer has been used by those against the war as a statement that the government is in trouble. Okay. And we're and we're going to have to change that government or that government needs to change uh, okay. or, or will change. So is it being used now? I believe so. I think the pro- protesters have been doing that. Okay. Now because of the uh, very punitive new laws that have come down where you you're not supposed to protest the war right. in Russia. Right. Um, right. those who are protesting the war are getting rounded up and and jailed. Yes. So I I think I was reading about protesters who instead of showing up um with protest signs no war, they were showing up with signs that said no first letter of the Russian word for war, and then the remaining letters indicated by an asterisk. Oh. Uh, okay. It, the remaining Cyrillic letters. Yeah. Right. Okay. I heard this, uh, yeah, on a podcast. There was a podcast from NPR, <laughs> Rough Translation. That that's right. Like that. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Well, I of course, you know, the, the Russian security forces are looking... So, so this is an education for them, mm. and then they go. They have to reinterpret whatever the code is, as to whether or not it's worthy of an arrest. Mm. So they're learning whatever the new code is, and the trick is, of course, to try to learn that code faster than anybody else right. does, <laughs> and before it becomes, before it becomes, then you move on. Then you you force them to move on. But and every culture's got its symbols. I mean, Torin, you were in Hong Kong, yeah. Um, a few years ago. A few years ago during the during the, 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 the strikes. Protests. Yeah, the protests. that were happening there. Yeah, when you were talking about colors as symbols, I was remembering my friend who I was visiting who had lived there for many years was saying how um, red is symbolized pro-Beijing, which makes sense. Um, yellow symbolized pro-democracy. Um, 
and blue represent pro-police. So it was similar to pro-China with the authorities. And didn't the protests initially start um, with the symbol of the umbrella? Yes, right. And yep, it was the umbrella movement. Mm-hmm. Right. And why was the umbrella chosen as the, as the symbol? Yeah. <laughs> but I can look it up. Please do. I will. <laughs> but yes, it was. That's right. Yeah, and so those are very powerful symbols. Symbols, and like you're talking about, folks, when they saw the certain colors, and it would be outside different restaurants and be in people's clothes, and they knew, okay, these are folks that I can relate to. And but but let me just jump in for a second. I'm wondering. I'm, I'm wondering if it, with the symbols like that, then depending on where the where we where it goes, where everybody where everything goes, what what you happens, mean how this conflict works out with, with this conflict or any conflict over in the past uh-huh. with, with depending on where it ends up. And, and of course, that's an ongoing conflict with Hong Kong also. And where so where it where it ends up, those symbols can at some point become iconic and become part of the culture in some ways, right? Yes, absolutely. And then they become institutionalized as yeah. usually the victor's symbols. Exactly. That's what I'm saying, that, yeah. that they would have those as, as something that, and I'm wondering if it's a failure, if those symbols just go by the wayside and, and get, or get put over here in the, in the file that says, symbols not to be used in the near absolutely. future. Absolutely. These usually become taboo. Yeah. It, over, or get outlawed the, the swastika. Or, yeah, exactly. the swastika. Outlawed. Yeah. The, the swastika was nothing more than just a, an ancient Hindu symbol. Right, right, right. It's that, been used before. Of course. Sure. Uh, and then it became corrupted by the Nazis. By the Nazis. Right. And right. then it became verboten. I mean, you can't do it. No, you can't. It, absolutely not. So the symbol itself has no meaning whatsoever, but it's the meaning that the symbol represents. What you apply right. to it. Precisely. Yes. And that's what culture does. Culture says, I'm going to give this symbol a meaning. Yes. And that's where it suddenly becomes very, very powerful. Sure. Right. So I remember now my friend did tell me this. So umbrellas were popular in the protests because they could be used to protect – people could protect themselves against tear gas being fired by the police. Ah. Uh-huh. So they served a purpose and then right. they became a symbol from that. Right. Very interesting. Yeah. Um, the Z, by the way, in Russia. So it, there are theories. That's not clear. But there were Zs put on the Russian military tanks to avoid friendly fire. And so it's believed that it just came and it just really, the Z stood out. So the Z was saying, just it's us, not them. Mm -hmm. And so leave us alone. Why wouldn't they use the Cyrillic R? So again, it served a purpose. I don't know. (laughs) But it seemed to serve a purpose. And so then it just became a symbol for Yeah. That's a good question. It it may have meant something else also within all of that. Yeah, it seems to be unclear. Yeah. Yeah. We don't know at this stage. Huh. Well, why are we talking about symbols and culture? Why? Because. (laughs) Oops. Oops. Your culture showing. Yeah, we decided to wait till the end to do it this time. Forgot about that. Oh, wow. You know what? You know what, also? Oops, something else is showing, too. Yeah. There certainly moments. is. A lot, a lot showing. Something sticking we were just out of here. too into the conversation. Oh, <laughs> man. Wow. Well, we are of a certain generation, and we are of a certain... At least, at least I well, am. Well, speak for right. yourself yeah, over exactly. there. And, you know, what were the cultural <laughs> symbols in our... Ge- because in my generation, I can vividly remember the, 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 the confusion and the um, intensity of the 60s. Well, there's one major mm. one that was and there. there. And that was driven by symbols. Yeah, there was a lot, but there was one that was the predominant one. There was one. Which one? Was the peace sign. The peace sign. Yeah. And that, I mean, that was the one that was, there was, I think, was the dominant and, one. And the peace sign, by the way, was what? Because it's not universal. 
What do you mean? Was in what? the U.S. What was the peace sign? Oh, was it a hand mean, gesture? Was it a no? Well, it? yeah, it was a hand gesture, and it was a it was a drawn circle with a um, a, a disarmament sign symbol. Yeah, there's a lot of discussion. Again, you go back to we're talking about the Z. There's a lot of discussion on where that where that sign inside the circle mm-hmm. comes from. Some people, it's the f- foot of a dove. Um, some people, oh. there's there's a few different things it really doesn't matter all that matters is what you were talking about before what it means what does now, it mean to you symbol, right? yes yeah. what does it mean because a lot of people when we were growing up there was a lot of people that sign meant uh things they did not like sure they were they were afraid of mm-hmm. and that they did not like them and then you can look back at it in kind of the quaint way of looking at the 60s and the early 70s and think it's a isn't that cool but it really, honestly, at that time, it was so far from just being cool. It meant sure. a lot, and it meant a lot on both sides. Sure. Um, and there was a lot of a lot of pushback on that, and a lot of dislike sure. about the peace sign as well. I and, re- and the and the hand figure of the of right. the V, two, two fingers up, palm with your side palm towards towards, towards you. Yes, yeah, like it has to be it has like to be palm out. Saying two, yes, palm in is a whole. Well, in England, <laughs> that was a problem. In Britain, but yes, in, in, right. the, in the United States, it would nobody cared, but in in here it was. But, but it was that anyway. Beers that, that is the peace sign. It's the it's the uh, it's, right, but it it's, should be it's like out. showing the number two like that with right. your palm toward whoever Churchill's you're showing V it for to. victory. Right. It was yes. ch- from Churchill. Yes, because yes, if he did it the other way, it was uh, which he <laughs> probably did to Hitler also. But, um, <laughs> right. And if you don't know what that means, that means you haven't gone through all of our podcast. Go back to a prior episode. You've got to go back to the beginning with the hand I, gestures and and check out the hand gestures. Here's a hint. It has nothing to do with the Japanese toilet. Okay, mm. there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but as far as we know, as far as we know, um, well, I remember as going through um, hearing it back then in the sixties. Yeah. Um, the peace sign, the disarmament sign that I think you're referring to, which looks like the the dove's foot. Yes, the and, the, mm-hmm. the dove's foot. F- Pointing down, I guess you could say. Yeah, that was, I, I think, originally used in Britain back in the 50s, even before the 60s, yeah. uh, during the beginnings of the disarmament movement. Uh-huh. And Bertrand Russell was actually one of the uh, leaders of that. Disarmament, movement. you're talking like missiles and yes, things yes, like nuclear that. Disarmament. that started, yes, it started to build up after after World War II. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so um, the, the, ver- the vertical sign was the missile. The vertical, right? Okay, and then uh, it was basically an 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 entody mm-hmm. symbol superimposed over the missile. Okay, and okay, yeah. So that uh, that's what anyway. That's a, that's a possibility. Well, what's too. an entody? What is that? Entody. You know, uh, in Europe, you, the road signs where you can't enter. It's a ah, circle with enter. a diagonal gotcha. slash. Gotcha. Do not enter. Except it doesn't go all the way across. And I use the French version. <laughs> wow, what a show off! You know what? Pas de problem. You know what? We're, we, we're going to have to talk more about this. Can we go here? No, 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 no. Which is clearly they use that a lot in France. That's French for no. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Is that what that was? Yeah. Love it oh, when he good. speaks French. I know. I love too. it. That's great. You know? <laughs> but look, if, if I, clearly there's another episode in this because- Well, you know, we've just been discussing symbols and, and I guess because of current events, Ukraine, yeah, yeah. We, we started discussing Duh. discussing symbols of protest. Right. Uh-huh. But there's symbols of so many things. Right. Well, you know? sure. Right. 
Well, and, 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 and I mean, there's lots of different movements which uh, which cross borders, and and are and are approached in many different ways, which is another area we can get into at some point because you've got. Uh, we can talk about the what's happened in the United States as far as things like uh, different movements, uh, whether it has to do with race or it has to do with gender or it has to do with uh, uh, choice or yes, any of those types of things. Sure. sure. Yep. And, and any of those things, and they're going to have symbols with them, which which they will find very powerful. Mm-hmm. And again, others will find disturbing right. for uh, whatever, whatever reason. On what I, I'm, I'm going to go way out oh, there here and he say goes. that everything – Well. Everything we do, every word we say, every gesture we make, every article of clothing that we put on, every color that we choose, every every piece of food that passes through our lips, everything we do, every decision we make in every given moment has all been pre-programmed in our through our culture. Is there free will? Yes. And we can talk about the role of free will in culture. You're but blowing my mind. But, <laughs> but that's how much we are coded and to some degree controlled by our culture mm. yeah so mm. co- oh i've coding, got a story about that co- oh, okay. coding as a symbol not the winter coating yes. but coding or coding on a computer <laughs> right or coding on a computer right, right. Not, with, not ones and zeros <laughs> from your generation that's yeah, what you yeah, would think yeah, right? I'm I'm a millennial, right so that's right. okay so <laughs> All, coding in general, yes. all of human activity is a code. I'm sending you signals about so many things just sitting here opposite you talking about this. And I'm a little disturbed by it. <laughs> we can't look you in the eye. I could say very disturbed. but um, Yeah, sure. Okay. Well, you can go out on that limb right there and you can say that. And I'm going to go home and I'm going to pull the sheets over my head and I'm never going to move again. And that's a code for something. Oh, it is. Damn. Yeah. Oh, got me again. <laughs> Just oh, when I no, thought I'll buy I was that. out, I'll buy it. he pulled me back in. <laughs> and I'll what you it. do under those sheets is a code. All right. Now oh, we're moving definitely on. Definitely don't need to hear about that. It's time to wrap <laughs> this up. I meant how up. you sleep. Oh, of course. Of course <laughs> sure, you do. Sure. Sure. Uh-huh. sure. Uh-huh. Thanks for ruining it for everyone. I mean, what direction are you <laughs> That's facing? That's a code, too. And, well, <laughs> wow. Oh, my goodness. Well, you know. (laughs) I'm um, in the group of not wanting to hear more about that. No. People are phoning in right now, actually, and saying- (laughs) No, we're taking calls. We're not. We're not even broadcasting live. Oh, okay. But people are knowing this is happening. How did they get our number? (laughs) But if you'd like to comment- Yes. If you, we we do have ways just you yell can get at your hold of phone us. or whatever you're using to listen to this. Just scream <laughs> we'll out the window. We'll and in. if you want to, if you want to find out what direction Tom sleeps in, uh, <laughs> just let us know. I actually I put a camera up in my room. Oh no! And um, I'm going online now, so you'll oh, be able dear. to see me. Oh. And uh, oh. now that alone should be a symbol of just absolute dread and fear. Mm. Right? Yeah, there. we need coding to make sure that never gets out. Right. There. Yes, in a coat maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, lots of coding. Lots of coats. Just. Pop. Well, I'm up on top Please. of me. We beg you. When, all right, look it. We're going to wrap this one up, and but we'll revisit symbols, and uh, maybe sure the, at some point, yeah. maybe the whole drum kit at some point. <laughs> oh yeah, sorry, yeah, I forgot. Thank yeah, thanks they a lot. We're taking a break. Oh, now, you got one finally. job. Gotcha section was taking one time. freaking job. They should really stop smoking. Thing. It's not good I, for you. I thought, and, he, I thought he was asleep, facing <laughs> the other direction. <laughs> Put my claves away. Oh, my gosh. Well, Dean Foster, it's great to be back in studio with you again. Terrific. uh, 
And, and yeah, thank, well, terrific. Are you saying that about yourself? Yes, or, uh... and, and it's nice to have you here. <laughs> oh, great. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. There's a you're, symbol you're in that, but we'll leave it alone for now. That was code. And, um... <laughs> it wasn't coded at all. Yeah, it was right. pretty blatant. It was pretty actually. Explicit, yeah. um, <laughs> <laughs> and Torin, good to have you here, too. Thank you. And uh, I'm Tom Peterson, since nobody else wants to say my name. And um, by the way, oops. Your culture's showing. Smell ya. Okay, listen. The way to get hold of us is oopscultureshow at gmail.com. And our Twitter handle is oopscultureshow. Whether this is the first episode or the third episode or whatever episode that you've listened to, you should really subscribe. That's the best way to go, really. Honestly, I know what I'm talking about. All right, so just subscribe through iTunes or through wherever you get your podcasts from. Subscribe. Thank you. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.